Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 123 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we're going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. In particular, Tyron Liu taking a leave of absence and Kevin Love returning to the court. We're also going to go over the big winners and losers of March Madness in terms of NBA prospects from the first weekend. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We would love any feedback. And this is normally what I would say. We are hosted by FanRag Sports for the rest of the month we are, but we have some news to announce on that front. So instead, I'm going to introduce my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. Mort, how's it going? I am even more unemployed now, Brian, than I was <laughs> yesterday. That's yeah. that's impressive because I was unemployed as it was, but now I'm even more unemployed. Yeah, so... Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles excludes in-store clearance oh uh we recently received word and by recently i mean this morning that FanRag sports is going under some restructuring at the end of the month uh unfortunately that means they're going in a different direction and we need to find a new home come april 1st so loyal listeners out there if you have any ideas of where you'd like to see us end up next please slide into our DMs at the NBA pod. You can also reach out to Mort and I. Uh, my DMs are always open as well. Um, you know, we're, we're planning on continuing the podcast as is. We have no intention of going away. So we're just going to figure out what's next. But in the meantime, continue to follow us on Twitter. Follow, you know, follow the pod on Twitter. Follow the both of us on Twitter. We're going to keep tweeting out the links every time we record something. Uh, Mort, anything else to add there? Well, yeah, there's two things to do. I mean, if, if you're interested, people out there, if you would like to, for example, you know, have us on a Patreon site where we can do a bunch of fun stuff, you know, more than podcasts, even some video stuff, all that, we could do that. We could also go the other direction. If you want us to stop, you could pay us to just not record, <laughs> if that's of interest. We recently pitched that to Kelly Scaletta as a way to get him to stop 
giving out all the goddamn <laughs> terrible puns on Twitter. Exactly. So. <laughs> I would look. I would pay Kelly five bucks a oh, month. I, I mean, I would just for him yeah. to stop stop with the puns. I would definitely. <laughs> I, I spend five bucks on way dumber stuff than that. So yeah, that's. <laughs> A worthy investment, but yeah. We in the meantime, we will continue beyond April first in some capacity. We just aren't sure where yet, but we will keep you guys updated in the coming days and weeks once we figure that out. Oh yeah, we are going for. By the way, we we might as well announce something as well. We are going for one hundred episodes this very season. We are definitely trying to go for it because we've been talking about this for a month. We we were looking at. At how many episodes we've recorded this month, this year, this season, and we we're going, you know, we could actually, we could actually reach a hundred, a hundred episodes for a we single could. season. Yeah, yeah. So the we're NBA, going for it. The NBA goes to eighty-two games plus the playoffs. Why can't we? Yeah, exactly. There you go, Brian. <laughs> uh, so more before we get into the draft talk, let's hit on the Cavs first because that's been the big news of the week. Uh, on Monday, the Cavs released a statement from Tyron Lue and from their uh, interim GM, Kobe Altman. Um, or no, they're acting, not interim, just their actual GM, yeah, Kobe Altman. their actual GM, yeah. Right. The guy uh, who does trades for him. Right. That Tyron Lue is stepping away for the time being. Um, he said he's had chest pains and other troubling symptoms compounded by a loss of sleep. Uh, he's gone through a battery of tests, but there are no conclusions as to what the exact issue is at the moment. So, I mean, first of all, we just need to say prayers up to Tyron Liu. That right. sounds like a really frustrating and scary situation, and we, you know, we hope he gets better soon. But I mean, we hope he takes the time he needs to step away and focus on his health first, because you know, in the end, this is all—it's a job, it's a game, it's something fun, but it's. You know, your your health, your life comes first. But we're, we need to talk about, you know, the Cavs in general, how this affects them moving forward. You know, we're, we're less than a month from the playoffs starting, and they suddenly don't have their head coach. Yeah. Well, they kind of do. LeBron. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're player coach. Yeah. They're player coach. Right. Um and, and you know, as I make that joke, just uh, just a heads up for for uh, about one thing regarding the Ty Lue thing. Um, I've seen a couple of people out there argue that LeBron is the reason for for you know loose uh, health issues and whatnot. And it's oh, just yeah. just don't don't go that route, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's uh, I, I look. I I'm not a doctor. <laughs> You're not a doctor. Your wife is a doctor, though. Right. But. Right. It sounded to me like this was uh, some anxiety because, uh, you know, he, he couldn't sleep. And you know, the, the symptoms sounded a lot like legitimate anxiety. And that's not a laughing matter. That is very serious. And it's something that should be looked at as being very serious. And mm -hmm. because of that, I, I, I just hope he gets whatever assistance he can get um, to get him to get better. And, you know, just don't don't bombard anyone with bad takes on on the whole thing you know with him looking over his shoulder or lebron forcing him into anxiety it doesn't work like that it's there's just a lot going on there yeah. um as as for the cavaliers and how they're going to play without him it's just look we didn't know really what we could expect from the Cavs with him healthy 
mm-hmm. and we certainly don't know what we can expect you know from them now with him out because Cleveland is such a weird team I mean we've been talking about it all year long they have a great roster and, and somehow they just can't seem to get it together the mm-hmm. Rodney Hood acquisition has been so far underwhelming because mm-hmm. he hasn't really been allowed to have that freedom offensively that he used to have in in Utah and it's it's a team that's just it's unpredictable in so many ways mm-hmm. that you can't sit here and go oh well without Tyron Lu this means that they're going to yada 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 because we have no chance of knowing we we mm-hmm. simply don't it's such a weird team they could win the next ten they could lose the next ten yeah uh, you know first of all I'm glad you brought up the point about people making jokes about like you know Lou. This is just Lou's excuse to get away while the team is in free fall or whatever. Like, fuck that, man. Just, this is this is a serious matter. ESPN's David Manaman reported that he's been coughing up blood. Like, that's... Oh, I, that's, didn't, I didn't hear that, really. Yeah, so, like, that's a serious wow. health issue. He's not, yeah. like, faking it just because he's, like, scared that he's going to lose to the Warriors. He's scared that he's going to lose to the Raptors. Like, this is a serious issue. This is yeah. not a cover-up. So just don't make those jokes. It's like it's a bad look. And you know, secondly, like this is not the first time we've seen something like this this season. Like Steve Clifford was dealing with a similar situation earlier this right. year. He missed 21 games because he had headaches caused by sleep deprivation according to ESPN. I mean, this is a really the lifestyle of an NBA coach sucks. Like yep. Look at you know, you've heard like he, Tom Thibodeau became a legend in Chicago because of his work ethic because he basically like ate, slept and drank basketball and like lived at the practice facility for 20 hours a L- day. Literally lived at the practice facility. Like people right. would come in 3 a.m. and he would be there, yeah. But that's like not a healthy lifestyle. That's that's the antithesis of a healthy lifestyle. So it, I mean, it's a really stressful job. You rarely get credit when your team is good and you almost always get credit when your team is bad outside of like, you know, Steve Kerr gets credit, but like a guy like Eric Spolestra when LeBron was with him, like Eric Spolestra now is regarded as one of the best coaches in the NBA because you realize in life post LeBron, Oh, he's actually a really good coach. But during the four years of the Heatles, you know, it was always like, is Eric Spolestra on the hot seat? They lost three straight games. So, you know, this is, it's a really, hard stressful job we we really we don't want to belittle this at all that's that's the main point but you're right more it's it's hard to know what to expect out of the Cavs. and i'm writing i mentioned this to you before we start recording but i'm writing something for fan sided in the couple next couple weeks um about kind of like which playoff you know power ranking all the playoff teams and i was starting to do this yesterday and I realized, like, I have no idea where to put the Cavs. Yeah. Like, it's Houston, Golden State, Toronto as the top three in some order. Uh-huh. Cleveland could be fourth, or Cleveland could be, like, 10th or 11th. I really don't know. Oh, rest yeah. in peace, your mentions. <laughs> but, right? I mean, like... I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, you know, the LeBron factor is going to rile people up. Right. And that's the thing. You know, I was DMing with you earlier this week, and I was saying, like... You know, honestly, I don't expect the Sixers to get out of the first round because they just mm. make too many dumb turnovers and mistakes as young teams often do. Yeah. But I was saying, like, 
their best chance to get out of the first round might be playing the Cavaliers, which sounds absurd because it's LeBron in the playoffs and they, you know, these these Cavs teams tend to struggle in the regular season and then all of a sudden they flip a switch when they get to the playoffs and it very well might happen now. I mean, Kevin Love just came back last night, played well in only 25 minutes. Tristan Thompson is still working his way back. Hood's been banged up. He's still on the sidelines. Like, if you have a fully healthy operational Cavs team come mid-April, they might be the second-best team in the East. But (laughs) I feel like I at least have a better sense of what to expect from a Boston, provided they're healthy, or an Indiana, or a Washington. The Cavs are just, as you said, they're such a damn wild card. Oh, completely. I mean, you, you thought it would be a hot take. You know, saying that Philly's best chance of getting out of the first round was against Cleveland. When immediately when you said it, I was like, "Huh, that actually makes sense." Yeah, because they're so hot and cold all the time. And you know, I I, th- I feel it's important to differentiate that when we're talking about the Cavs, we're talking about the Cavs as a whole. This mm-hmm. is not a dig on LeBron because whenever no. it's become it's become synonymous that when you criticize the Cavs. People read it as, oh, you're crapping on LeBron James. No, the, the Cavs right now are third because of him, not right. in spite of him. It's the other way around. It's because of him. Yeah. He's the engine that makes this whole thing go. But I don't feel the cast around him is, I don't I don't know the word, adequate, I guess, it, or fitting. It's It doesn't really seem to be the type of, of roster that's been assembled around him that that fits his playing style. Yeah, okay, they have spot up shooters. That's great, but you need more defenders, especially at his age, because mm-hmm. he can't be asked to go out and score thirty, grab nine or ten rebounds, and dish out nine and ten assists, and lock the best player on the opposing team down for twenty five minutes. That's just not feasible. Obviously, right. it's not. I mean, and then yeah, there was some logic in trading for Jay Crowder, that just didn't work out. But overall, they, they just need, I don't know, they need some more two-way players, and they don't just don't have them. George Hill is a start, mm-hmm. granted, but who else? Tristan Thompson is not a two-way player. He's a one-way player. J.R. Right. Smith is a one-way player. Kevin Love is a one-way player. Rodney Hood is a one-way player. Larry Nance is probably your best bet outside that of that. That is. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, and he's got some potential left, so he might become that two-way player. But right. If if that takes two years, LeBron's going to be 35. <laughs> right. I mean, I think part of the difficulty is oftentimes it's hard for a trade de- deadline acquisition to just come in and hit the ground running. Mm. And the, that's just one player. The Cavs blew up half of their roster at the trade deadline. You know, they yeah. got rid of six players. They brought in four. Then Kevin Love was already out. Then Tristan Thompson goes down. Now Rodney Hood's out. Like they've just had a constantly rotating cast of uh, right. of pieces that I'm not sure that they're gonna have the chemistry that you need to go on a deep playoff run just because they haven't played together. Like I right. don't know that they're gonna have more than ten games with playing with one another before the playoffs start. So yeah, to, you're right. More like we are not by any means crapping on LeBron James. LeBron Probably. just. In the month of February, he averaged a triple-double for the first time in his career. Right now, through March, through the first 10 games, he's averaging 31 points, 10.5 rebounds, 9.2 assists. LeBron is playing out of his mind. I mean, LeBron has said repeatedly he is playing at a career-best level. Whether or not you agreed with that, it's pretty up there. 
I mean, hmm. you're right. Like he he without LeBron James on this Cavs team, they are not even sniffing the playoffs. I don't know. Not at all. They're in like the Chicago, New York twenty mid twenties range. Oh, they're I think they're worse. Yeah. I probably. think they're worse. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting because when we talk about like what they could do to get better, I don't think there's any internal improvement right now. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, you know, so a couple of days ago, um, Jordan Clarkson said some things, and one of the reasons, oh, one gosh. of the things, yeah, but one of the things he said was that apparently dinosaurs were <laughs> pets, right, back in the day. So yep. allegedly, according to him, you know, yeah. you had people who were hundred hundreds of feet tall. Mm-hmm. That would do it. Just one of those people from back then, Brian, to protect the rim. That would do it. That's what they need. Did the NBA mandate that the Cavs need one point guard on their roster at all times that has, like, the dumbest, dumbass takes in the world? I, I, I think so. Yeah. I remember when I, I DM'd you that article, and you're just like, dot, dot, dot. Oh, God. I know. It came, it came across the wire at work yesterday, and all of us were like, really? This is, this is a thing that happens? Okay. Well, I'm just saying, a hundred, a hundred foot tall player, right? He would protect. He would protect the basket. Yeah, Rudy yeah. Gobert, eat your heart out. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, so that that might do it. So, I mean, Jordan Clarkson, if you if you got some connections, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's okay to laugh at, at takes that are so clearly ridiculous, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. I kind of hope. I want Joel Embiid to get in on this. I want him to just start firing off, like, trolley hot takes like this. And I don't even know. Like, I can't think of what would be more ridiculous than dinosaurs are pets of 100-foot-tall people. But, like, I actually think the moon is made of cheese. I've been there, and I know it. Yeah. Yeah. I need need JoJo to get in on it. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because there actually is a subculture in this horrible world of ours. That believes that a certain percentage of the moon is made of cheese. There we go. So, yeah. <laughs> Good. All right, Mort. Any final thoughts on the Cavs before we move on to draft talk? <laughs> before we derail completely? No, I, I, I think we're good. I, I just kind of laugh at humanity at this point. But, no. Um, well, I, I will say this about the Cavs. I, I think it's unfortunate. You know, they've, they've had these finals runs and outside of them winning that one time that was in 2016 right mm-hmm. um and and look here's the thing i'm kind of glad that they won in 2016 because that just it, it provided them with some kind of momentum to the point where you know they got over the hump and even so you could go look back at that series and it was i mean they, they you know golden state blew a 3-1 lead Mm-hmm. And they would have, they didn't need to do a whole lot to not do that. Mm-hmm. So it, you know the Warriors could easily easily have won three straight. And if that had been the case, you know Cleveland would have been a laughing stock. And mm-hmm. I, I find that unfair. And I, I find that whole concept of you know people laughing at the cast for a lack of results a little bit dumb because look who they're up against year yeah. after year. It, 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 this is not some. You know, San Antonio Spurs going up against a Patrick Ewing-less New York Knicks in 1999. Mm. This is one of the greatest teams of all times that they've just gone up against three times in a row, right. and they they succeeded once. And I I feel it's important to just 
kind of sit back for a second and go, you know what? They got one. They deserve that credit. And we should actually put it into context that this is not a bad team. They've done some truly remarkable remarkable things. But at the same time, it's fully okay to look at the situation and go, well, despite that success, they have not been built properly. There, there are some tremendous faults with that roster. That, and that was the case with Kyrie there too. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Th- this has been a team that's just not been assembled correctly since yeah. LeBron returned. Um, yeah. And for them to get a title without being assembled correctly, that's damn impressive. I agree. This is a conversation for another time, but that, that whole train of thought about like, building a team around LeBron James I find fascinating especially heading into this summer when he's going to be a free agent so we mm-hmm. will we'll revisit that in the coming oh, weeks Oh we months. will and you will talk about the Sixers every no, damn no, time won't you No it's I want I know how to build around LeBron <laughs> his name is Ben Simmons yes yes See I will express my concerns at that time but we'll we'll save that for oh, another date Yeah Okay go um, go All right so we're going to pivot now into draft talk. We actually had a special guest on. We recorded a segment separately, so we're just going to plug that in here. Mort was not able to join us for that part, so we will uh, come back with Mort after the draft talk. But without further ado, here's the draft. We have brought in a special NBA prospect ringer, Daniel O'Brien. Daniel, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Glad to have you. Uh, Before we get underway, can you let our listeners know where they can find your Twitter and where they can find your work? Uh, You can find me on Twitter uh, at DanO underscore B-Ball. And you can find all my work at FanRagSports.com. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Check Dan out. Obviously a big time of year for NBA prospects and next couple months, honestly. It's not going to slow down from here. So... Dan, we wanted to discuss, Mort and I have, we had Chris Stone on last week and we talked a little bit about DeAndre Ayton this past episode, but as listeners know, we are not as strong uh, in the NBA prospect game as many of you experts are, so we wanted to basically just run down the first weekend of this tournament and who stood out both in a good and bad way. Obviously, a lot of the matchups that we were hoping to see didn't actually come to fruition, whether that's Duke versus Michigan State in the Sweet 16, uh, Kentucky versus Arizona in the second round. Let's start with the winners of these this first weekend, Dan. Who stood out to you in terms of prospects this weekend? Off the top of my head, um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander from Kentucky really stood out, and that's even after a strong performance in the SEC tournament. He just he continued what he did there in St. Louis. And he just looks really comfortable at the point of attack now for Kentucky compared to how he did in the beginning of the year, whether it's uh, driving to the rim, kind of being patient, uh, looking for the best shot for, for the whole team. Um, he's not, a, he's not a, uh, a super explosive athlete, but he's really learned how to, to adjust and, and to look for, look for the best angles. He knows how to use his length better now, and he's really finding his jump shot lately. So there's a lot to like about him because he's 6'6". He's got good vision, good poise for a youngster, and it's really easy to see his his tools and his instincts translate to the next level. I like it. Yeah, we, we kept our eye on him uh, coming out of the SEC tournament, as you mentioned. How do you think he stacks up in terms of the point guards in this draft class? You have Trey Young, obviously, who got a lot of 
top 10 buzz for a while. You have Colin Sexton. Where do you see Shai fitting in now? I think he's he's easily easily the third best point guard in this class, and I think he's close enough where you could say he's pretty much on a similar similar level as Colin Sexton or even Trey Young as far as what his his upside is. I think nice. yeah, I think if someone like Trey Young becomes, you know, achieves his if Young achieves his best case scenario, he might be better than than both Sexton and Gilgis Alexander. But right now, generally speaking, I'd put Gilgis Alexander in the same conversation with those guys. He's really not like a distant third. He's he's close to them. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at Tankathon's mock draft right now, and I actually see that the, the right now, I guess they updated it. Uh, yeah, it looks like on Sunday. So they have him mocked going to the Sixers at number 12, ahead of Colin Sexton, which I think is interesting. I think it's the first time I've seen him ahead of Sexton. But I guess, as you're saying, he's he really is in that tier of point guard prospect. So that's good to know. Uh, who else stood out to you, Dan? Uh, well, a bunch, of, a bunch of different second-tier guys stood out. Um, uh, Zaire Smith has really impressed me more and more lately. Uh, for Texas Tech, um, Texas Tech sort of uses him almost as like a small forward or power forward, but he's only six five, so um, he plays a lot of inside and a lot outside. He didn't shoot too many threes this year, but he's he's making his jumper so far in the tournament, and he has a really good feel for um, playing off the ball, cutting, um, catching the ball on the wing, and making the right read. He made a lot of great passes um, the other night against Florida. And he is an absolute top-tier athlete, uh, you know, 99th percentile type. Uh, he had that 360 lob uh, in the first round that kind of caught everyone's attention, but he does so much else as far as block shots, going up and getting rebounds with ease. Um, if, he, uh, if he polishes up his ball handling a little bit and just keeps refining his jump shot, it, he could eventually be a great, great off-ball weapon in the NBA. Maybe not a superstar, but uh, a very productive role player. Interesting. Yeah, they, Tankathon, this is how I get all of my prospect news, by the way, is Tankathon. But they had him, at prior to Shine rising up the board, they had him as the number 12 guy. Uh, so I was starting to get intrigued by him. It's good to hear that he's showing out in the tournament. Um, the guy that I've been in love with, at least for the last month or so, Mikhail Bridges. What do you think of his performance so far? He His stock was already high entering the tournament he had a great big east tournament and he's only he's only built on his resume because his jump shooting looks even more comfortable now he he looks more steady as a ball handler and just based on his size he's around six 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 seven and his lateral agility and his instincts he looks like someone who can guard shooting guards guard small forwards in the nba uh, maybe even small ball fours and then he's he's agile enough to even check some some point guards. So again, that's down the road, but it, it looks like he's on track to be a multi-positional defender, someone who can knock down shots, sort of a, a rich man's three and D guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got scooped up in the draft at number six, seven, eight, uh, he won't fall far. Uh, so devastating. He's, he's my <laughs> dream guy for the Sixers at 12. So that, that hurts me to hear, but they still have the ammunition to move up. So we'll see what happens there. Um, who, anyone else stand out to you on the positive side, Dan? Um, someone I've kind of been interested in all season, but he really hasn't gotten much draft buzz is Gonzaga's Rui Hachimura. He, mm. he might not be a guy who leaves this year because he might still need some polishing. 
He he's a sophomore for Gonzaga. He didn't get much playing time at all last year, so it's really his first full year on the college level. And he's got great physical tools around six eight, six nine, um, strong, uh, pretty good athlete. But the jump shot has been a little bit spotty this year. So, um, you know, scouts and onlookers want to see a little bit more in that department. But he made a mid-range jumper and a three-pointer in this past game and kind of just showed the total package because he was active on defense, blocked four shots. It was just an impressive performance from a, who's essentially, someone who's essentially a first-year guy. Wow. Yeah, I, I was reading something earlier today, and I saw the discrepancy between the first and the second round performance, and it, was, it definitely caught my eye as something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, Dan, what about the two kids from Duke? You got uh, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter. Uh, Duke is obviously moving on to the Sweet 16, playing Syracuse. What are you hoping to see out of those guys, and what have you seen so far? Uh, well, so far in, in the tournament, they haven't really – they haven't been – challenged much by uh, Duke's first first round opponents. Uh, they feasted all year together, kind of just dominating the glass, passing the ball you know, high post to low post to each other. They've really worked well together. Um, against Syracuse, they'll, they'll probably they'll probably have a strong game because uh, they played really well against Syracuse last time around. They're one of the few big man combos who can really uh, dominate Syracuse athletically. Um, I, I like Carter. Uh, I like his skills more than Bagley's, but mm-hmm. but Bagley's physical tools are a little bit better. Uh, I was just telling my brother earlier today that if if Carter had Bagley's physical tools, it wouldn't even be close as to who the better prospect is. Um, but uh, Bagley's physical tools are are going to carry him pretty far in the NBA. So they're both they're both really intriguing, uh, really uh, high end prospects in their own ways. Yeah, I wish Mort were here right now because he he's been firing off this take for weeks that he's actually he's leaning toward being higher on Carter than he is on Bagley. So he will be happy to hear you say, not necessarily that you're in that same camp, but that you know it's closer than their reputations heading into college at least would suggest. Sure, yeah, it's close. I'm also going to channel Mort for this next one because he's been all over this kid from Marshall, Ajin Panava, all year. And naturally, when they spring a first-round upset, I have to ask, you know, he's he's been wondering, like, you know, this kid's leading, I believe he leads the nation in blocked shots. Uh, why is he getting no draft buzz? And do you think he will after keying that big upset against Wichita State? I honestly didn't watch him at all this year. Um, so I, I really need to look more into his body of work. But if he keeps showing that he can compete against high-level college athletes or even NBA-caliber-type athletes, then he'll get more buzz. Sometimes all these guys need is just an opportunity to show that they can play against uh, top-tier competition. Um, so if he looks good in, in pre-draft workouts and he shows he can hang with NBA-caliber guys, uh, I don't think there should be um, you know, a definitive limitation on what he can do. If, um, I think there's a chance he could stick on a roster. There we go, Mort. You're going to be happy to hear that. Uh, all right, let's before we move to the losers, I want to ask about one more winner at least is Kevin Knox in Kentucky, at least a winner in the sense that he's one of the the few you know top 15 prospects who's gonna get to play in this this sweet 16. So what'd you see out of Knox in these first two games and you know they've got it seems like at least on paper, a relatively easy path to the final four. Do you think he's gonna 
how is he going to match up against Kansas State and then either Nevada or Loyola Chicago if Kentucky makes it past them? When when Knox is used favorably, like when he's used right, properly in Kentucky's offense, he's a good matchup against anybody. Um, his three-point shot didn't fall too well in the first couple of games. He's actually uh, combined 0 for 6 in, in the, the first two rounds. But Kentucky was still able to find him open jumpers uh, coming off screens, getting him the ball in space, in transition, and he was able to uh, still be productive. And um, I saw uh, Mike Schmitz for ESPN. He, uh, he posted a comment that I thought was uh, pretty insightful. I think at the NBA, he, he might be better off used as, as more of like a, a, a power forward in a sense rather than a tr- like a traditional wing. And if you get the, him the ball in space and if he can, if he can knock down a few uh, three-point shots, which right now he's shooting 34% from three, but if, again, he's only a freshman. He keeps working on that. He could be a great uh, stretch four, kind of versatile four man. But looking ahead to the tournament, uh, he's going to match up well against Kansas State just because he matches well up with anyone uh, athletically. And then uh, down the road, he could end up playing against uh, Nevada or Loyola Chicago. So he, he, he has an opportunity to shine and show that he is, uh, he's cut from a different cloth than the vast majority of college athletes. Yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> you know, you mentioned the 34% shooting, but it's on almost five attempts five three-point attempts per game, which is, you know, pretty decent for a big man. It does seem like, what, he's 6'9", 215? That, that seems like the model stretch for in the NBA these days. I think most coaches would take that, especially from a freshman. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, anyone else stand out as a big winner to you that moved up draft boards this past weekend? Uh, besides what we mentioned, no one really made a dramatic leap. You know, it's, it's only a couple games, so I don't think people are going to, uh, you know, make huge adjustments to their big boards uh, based on the first couple games but check back at the end of the tournament maybe things uh fluctuate quite a bit yeah that's a good point actually before we go into the quote-unquote losers of the first weekend how much do you think these games do matter not only the first weekend but like you know Kemba Walker is obviously an example of a guy who led ridiculous tournament runs and soared up draft boards and there's always one or two guys who like kind of opens eyes during the tournament but how much stock do you think NBA executives put into this limited sample versus, you know, the whole regular season conference tournament, that, that whole stretch? I think in general, most, most executives don't overreact um, to, a, to a tournament performance one way or another. Um, and, I, I mean, I know I try, don't, try to not re- overreact, but all it takes is one team. Uh, all it takes is one team to fall in love with them for him to – you know, land a lot higher than anyone expected or for him mm-hmm. to, you know, change who everyone thought he was going to land to where he ended up landing. All it takes is, is one general manager to really like how that player could fit in their team. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We, we've seen that over the years. Okay. Let's go to the so-called losers. Uh, a lot of these guys really are just guys who got knocked out earlier than expected so I got to start right at the top of the big board with DeAndre Ayton uh Dan was there anything in that Buffalo game that concerns you about his NBA outlook or do you think it was just a a, you know a March Madness upset that has no implications for his NBA future 
Uh, I, I wouldn't say it has strong implications on his future. Uh, Buffalo played a great game. Give credit to them. Uh, Aiton looked maybe a little bit too passive at times. Maybe he could have been a little more assertive. But at the same token, uh, I didn't love how Arizona used him. I don't think they got him the ball quite enough. I don't think they made a concerted effort to get him the ball enough, which he was one of the biggest matchup problems on the floor. So it's disappointing to see that they didn't they didn't try to get him the ball more. And obviously he's still a little bit shaky defensively as far as timing, footwork. He still needs to work on that stuff. But I don't think that's going to change the fact that he is the, the top uh, college prospect. And uh, he might end up going up number one overall. Yeah, I was going to ask, which camp are you in as of now? Are you leaning Aiton or Luka Doncic as your number one prospect? <sighs> That's, I'm I'm still so torn on this, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, right now, I would have to lean Aiton just because of his his physical tools and what his his best case scenario is, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, Mort Mort's been in that same camp too, where he started the year with Doncic, but Aiton has progressively won him over. But now he's very much torn between the two. So it. I wanted. I asked this of Chris last week, and I just want to get your opinion too. Do you think those two guys are in a tier of their own, and then, you know, the next tier down is the Bagley, Porter, Jaron Jackson, all those guys? Definitely. In my mind, they're both in a, a tier above everybody else. Gotcha. Okay, so let's move down to that next tier. Then we'll start with Jaron Jackson, who Michigan State, some. Idiots like myself may have picked them as a Final Four team, and that did not work out very well because Syracuse knocked them out in the second round. So what happened in that game, and are, are there any concerns about Jaron Jackson that came out of this first weekend? Uh, again, I'm not going to overreact too much. Um, Jackson still, still kind of figured himself out. He's also one of the youngest prospects in the field, even for a freshman, and his playing time and his rhythm has been so inconsistent all year long. Uh, part of it's just Tom Izzo maybe favoring veterans a little bit, and part of it's Jackson getting into foul trouble in, in several of his games. Uh, so he, he never really got to establish uh, establish a real firm role on that, on that team. Uh, when he did have his, his good flashes and his good stretches, he looked every bit the part of a top-three prospect. So if you're an optimistic type of executive and really like his, his coachability and his ability to fit into a system, then he's worth the top three buzz. If you're going to uh, look at the downsides and look at some of the bad games, uh, like yesterday was obviously less than ideal for him and Michigan State, then maybe you're a little more wary. But he's so young that I wouldn't let a game like yesterday's dissuade, dissuade me from picking him in a top three, top five. Gotcha. So do you think... Outside of Aiton and Doncic, he should be that number three prospect on big boards. Right now, he's my number three, but okay. not by a mile. Uh, he's not he's not head and shoulders above the rest of them. I could see someone like Bagley, uh, like Bagley or Muhammad Bamba leapfrogging him, but mm-hmm. right now he's at number three for me. Gotcha. Uh, so let's jump down. Then we got to talk about Michael Porter, who. We saw 53 minutes of action all year for Michael Porter. We, he played one game, two minutes at the very beginning of the season, then came back for Missouri's conference tournament loss to Georgia, played 23 minutes, had 12 points, eight rebounds. Against Florida State, 
16 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists in 28 minutes. Uh, the kid was mentioned as one of the top prospects coming into the year. He's still getting top 5 buzz. What did you see out of Porter, um, both good and bad? And do you think he's he's still worthy of the top five buzz that he's been getting? Well, you saw hints of the skill level, which is tremendous for someone who's 6'10". Um, maybe some of the shots didn't fall for him, uh, both in the game against Georgia and the game against Florida State. But he has shot-making skill, and he has a, a decent feel for the game for someone who's 6'10". So I'm not too worried about the makes and misses in those two games. What I'm concerned a little more about is his explosiveness, like his first step, and his ball handling ability in traffic. Uh, Perhaps the first step in the explosiveness will improve once he really gets into 100% type basketball shape. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think his version of 100% still isn't quite as springy and quite as uh, quick twitch as some of these other athletes and if his ball handling isn't quite there which he's got middle tier ball handling in my opinion it's gonna be tough for him to c- consistently create his own shot in the NBA so he may end up being more just a catch and shoot type of guy uh, especially mm-hmm. early on um, in five years who knows he might be a better version of Danilo Gallinari but for right now he might have to rely on teammates a lot to get his shot so Right now, he's actually not in my top five. He's more in the six to seven range. Gotcha. Okay. So who do you have? You've got Jackson third. I'm guessing Bagley fourth? Yeah. Okay. And then how about who's fifth for you? Uh, fifth for me is probably probably Bamba. Okay. So let's let's go to Bamba then. What did you see out of him? I actually didn't I actually didn't watch the uh, the Texas game and I still need to look that over. Uh for pre-draft purposes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then we could skip right past him. How about Trey Young? Did you catch that Oklahoma-Rhode Island game? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, obviously, Trey Young's been one of the hotter topics, not only in college basketball, but also NBA. You know, Oklahoma got off to that ridiculous start. Trey Young's getting plenty of player of the year hype. Then come conference play, Oklahoma hits the skids a little bit you know, loses a lot of games, finds itself on the bubble heading into Selection Sunday, did sneak in, um, and then Trey Young against Rhode Island had a pretty typical Trey Young game from what I'm seeing, like 28 points, 7 assists, uh, 5 rebounds, 3 threes, had 6 turnovers, but, you know, carried that team as best he could. He got into foul trouble, if I remember correctly, in the first half and then ended up sitting for the last couple minutes of that first half. Um, what are your general thoughts on Trey Young, Dan? Because he's it seems like he's going to be one of the more uh, divisive prospects in that mid ladder range this year. Yeah, he he is a very very interesting, very hard to peg prospect. And in that game against Rhode Island, you saw a lot of the things that people love about him, and a lot of the things that people are are concerned with. Um, some of the shot making is just ridiculous. So if he's if he's used in the right system, he could be a ridiculously uh, explosive type of scorer. And he also has vision. He makes some of these passes just one-handed, a split second. He sees it. He sees it before the defense sees it. Uh, really good vision for a freshman. And uh, and on the flip side, 
he's a little bit erratic with the ball. Sometimes uh, defenses can speed him up a little bit when they hound him or when they double team him. And sometimes he doesn't quite handle it, quite handle it all that well. Uh, on the same token, his teammates really did not do enough for him uh, during the second half of the year. And I think part of his mindset was, well, I think the, I'm better off keeping the ball and trying to make something happen. And every once in a while that turns up into a turnover, but it would have turned into a missed shot from one of his teammates anyway. So it's tough to gauge his, to gauge his overall value in that system. But I still have him, I still have him in my top 10 and perhaps even landing as high as six or seven, just based on his ability to shoot uh, from way beyond NBA range and his ability to distribute, uh, play well and pick and roll. And uh, the one thing that he might not be able to really improve uh, all that much is his defense. He might be able to improve uh, from a technique standpoint, but uh, he's got a he's got a very small frame, and he's not uh, he's not particularly agile on defense. So uh, there's a limit to what he can do on that end. But he's st- the offense is still worth a top ten look. Gotcha. Are you are you digging the Steph Curry comparisons between him and? <laughs> um, I was I was digging them earlier in the year. Um, I'd maybe call it a poor man's Steph okay. Curry at yeah. this point, just to just to be safe. Good. Yeah. So he's. I don't. I don't even want to say he has. He has the shooting range of Steph, not necessarily the consistency of Steph. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> let's go from one point, Brett. Point guard prospect to another. You mentioned Colin Sexton earlier. He was a guy I was pretty interested in coming in to the tournament just because he had such a heater uh, during the SEC tournament. And really, it seems like he'd been playing pretty well even toward the end of the regular season. Um, Any thoughts on his performance in the tournament, particularly against Villanova and Jalen Brunson? Uh, I I still, there's still a lot to like about Colin Sexton, even though um, he didn't. He didn't steer Alabama um, even to a close game, let alone a victory against Villanova. Um, <clears throat> I don't mind the turnovers that much because I love the aggressiveness from him. I'll take, especially at his age, I'll take aggressiveness. Uh, I'll take the trade off with the turnovers, and I love his creativity off the dribble, and I love his tenacity on defense. So he didn't quite execute uh, everything that he wanted to. Uh, in Saturday's game, but overall, from his SEC tournament to his first couple games in the NCAA tournament, he showed why he uh, he should also be in the top ten discussion with Trey Young. Um, mm-hmm. He's he, he's not the biggest biggest player. He's six you two, know, maybe six three at best. Um, but he he's an athlete, and he is going to he's going to give opponents problems at the point of attack as a defender, and he's also going to be hard to guard. He's going to come at opponents every possession all game long and that's something that you know any coach would love to have yeah i mean it seems like his biggest problem at least in terms of draft stock is that most of the teams in that seven to ten range are already pretty set with you know the kings have De'Aaron fox the bulls have chris dunn the knicks have (laughs) everyone they have about four young point guard prospects now and then the hornets assuming they're stubborn and keep kemba walker you know, they're probably not going to go for a point guard. So it kind of feels like he's destined to go to the Clippers, either with one of their two late lottery picks. But 
it'll be interesting to see where he falls and you know if a team like you can't rule out a trade up i guess some team the suns maybe if they're not sold on alfred payton could move up to that 10 11 range and try to get him there as well um uh, did anyone else stand out to you as you know kind of again i don't want to say like a loser of the first round because as you said teams probably aren't panicking over one bad game but did anyone else have such a bad game that they you know raised some concern for you not in particular i don't maybe it's because i'm a maybe sometimes overly optimistic guy but i (laughs) i really didn't get too bummed out by anybody Um, yeah okay cool well Dan, thanks for joining us again. Uh, could you let our listeners know one more time where they can find you on Twitter and follow your work? Sure. It's uh, at Dano underscore B-Ball on Twitter. And uh, and then you can follow all my uh, my articles, uh, my league-wide articles and my draft-related articles on fanragsports.com. Perfect. All right, yeah. Everyone go check Dan's workout. He's a smart guy, as if these last 30 minutes you couldn't tell from that. In the meantime... Dan, thanks for joining us. Have a good one. You as well. Thanks for having me. All right. Hope you enjoyed that draft talk. Thanks again to Dan O'Brien for joining us. Please follow him on Twitter. He's got a lot of good good takes, especially in the next couple months here. Uh, Mort, welcome back. Let's hit our crush of the week before we head out. Who, who do you have? DeLon Wright. Love it. 12 points. Four and a half assists, two and a half rebounds, shooting 47 from three, 59 from the field over his last five. And, you know, I, I've at only 1.2 turnovers, I should add. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this kid. Actually, since the draft back in the day, and then when he didn't get minutes, I was kind of you know, fearing that he was a bust because for two years he didn't get minutes. Mm-hmm. And this year he's just come out and and balled his ass out honestly he's just been amazing and he's become this legitimate backup point guard who i feel could develop into a starting caliber point guard very soon yeah um i think he's he's a guy you look at if you're a team out there that's young and want something else at the point guard position and in the meantime he's part of this ridiculous raptors bench that our our friend josh howe wrote about at raptors republic he had a really good piece lately about how that bench is like it's legit i mean it has there's a reserve unit on the raptors that has one of the best uh net ratings of any five-man lineup in the nba which is absurd like Mm. it's you know we we talked a couple weeks ago about the raptors and whether their depth was going to be a blessing or a curse in the playoffs because oftentimes teams shorten their rotations and Dwayne Casey has come out and said, look, I'm just going to continue playing the same rotations. Like we have a really good bench. So yeah, shout out to D-Lon and really the whole Raptors bench for helping oh, yeah. lead this ridiculous surge this year. Um, all right. Well, my crush is going to go to Kelly Olenek because He's been, spoiler alert, he's been on an absolute heater as of late. No pun intended. (laughs) Kelly Light. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you almost have to throw out the game Monday against the Nuggets because it went into double overtime. But Hassan Whiteside's been out the last four games, I believe, with a hip injury. So Olenek has not started. Bam Adebayo has been starting. But Olenek's been playing big minutes off the bench. Um 30 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks, 4 threes against 
The Nuggets in a big double overtime win. Over his last six, he's at 15.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, almost two blocks, almost two threes, and 1.2 steals in 27.6 minutes per game. Lord, I remember when they signed him uh, during the offseason. We were like, oh, that's that's a lot of money for Kelly Olenek, especially if you have Hassan Whiteside. But he's proving, like, turned out it was a pretty damn good insurance policy if Whiteside ever went down. Because, you know, the, the yep. Heat are, they're right. I mean, at this point, the eight Eastern Conference playoff teams are set. The Pistons are just too far back at this point. They're six games back with, like, 13 to go or something so i mean it's over but or sorry 12 to go now um but the heat and the bucks and even the sixers are still in that jostle for like six seven eight and really i mean if the heat surge up they could they could be in the conversation for three or four still oh so, man that means we need to bring alana back on so i know fun of us. Yeah. i know yeah That's it's fine. still i mean right now separating three which is the Cavs mm. and eight, which is the Bucks. This is as of Tuesday, four games. Like it's, yeah. I know the Western Conference playoff race is getting most of the buzz, even though we're starting to see a little bit of separation there as well. But the East is pretty wild as well. Like any, mm. really any one of the three through six, that's only a game and a half. And the Sixers have an absolutely easy schedule the rest of the way, even if they play down to the level of their opponents more often than not. But the the Heat and the Bucks, like they could still sneak up into the four, five, six range as well. So, oh. shouts to Kelly for helping keep the Heat in that conversation. Um, and yeah, shout shout out to Alana too because she she foresaw this Heat team being better than it was last year. Or maybe she just channeled her inner Homer and was right. <laughs> right. Either right. one. Either one. Just, yeah. But one thing though, because in regards to Kelly Olynyk, yeah, we weren't exactly high on the signing. Uh, last summer, but I, I do remember we were talking about we wanted him to slide down to the four a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's done that. He's actually played a lot more four this year than he did at Boston, yep. and I think that kind of freed him up a little bit. I know that everyone in this new age NBA wants to slide everyone up a position, but sometimes it does make sense to slide someone down. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, Mort, I think that'll do it for today's episode. So thank you all for joining us. Please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so follow us as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'll actually go get some sleep now after being up for 32 hours. Good. Good. I know. The Rocky Marathon you're on has been so captivating. I understand. Oh, I should give you an update. Because oh, yeah. even though I was so tired last night, I had to go watch the fourth. And this tonight is the fifth one. Oh, and, no. and for Just those out the there... It, oh, no. I'm going to watch everyone. I oh, promised no. myself. Um, I, I'm a 31-year-old man. I had not seen Rocky. I admit it. I, it took me a while. <laughs> And I during the first one, I was DMing Brian. And I, <laughs> man, I mean, I was like, what is this? Why is there so much hype about this? Is, is Rocky mentally challenged? <laughs> the, and, you know, um, I, I don't know, Brian. For some reason, it, it grew on me. And the mm-hmm. second one, I was not pleased because it was practically the same movie all over. But from the third one and onwards, hell yeah. 
Yeah. yeah Hell the, yeah. The, the third and the fourth are where you really get hooked, and then the fifth is just atrocious. But Balboa or whatever it's called, I think it was Balboa. Yeah, Rocky Balboa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's good. And then Creed. Creed really might be the best one, so... And Don't. there's a Creed 2 coming this year, apparently. Yeah. They, they, I mean, that was guaranteed because Creed was such a monster success. So, yeah. Mm. Stay strong through Rocky Five. I'm sorry in advance. It does it does suck. But luckily, what you know that the people back when it came out did not know is that it is not the final adventure of Rocky Balboa, thankfully. I, I'm glad I did it. If, if, for, if for anything else, I can add, you know, at least five or six movies... <laughs> to my IMDb page. There it's you fine. go. It's fine. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. Well, stay strong through Rocky Five. I promise it gets better, but we'll okay. catch up in a couple days. I'll, I'll DM you and I'll Good. bitch about All it. All right. <laughs> Later. 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 Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.